Good morning, good morning. It's still morning. Man, that was amazing. Wow. I got a little wrecked during those testimonies. I'm still kind of feeling it, man. I mean, it's, it, there's a celebratory aspect, but there's also just kind of a holy aspect. Like, wow, Jesus is really touching lives. And so, you know, if we were a business, our product would be change lives. That's what we're after. That's, that's the whole thing that we're after. So, all right, you guys ready? Got your seatbelts on? All right, it was the summer of 61 before I was born. It was July of 61, and 38 members of the Green Bay Packers team showed up for the first day of training camp. Now, just a few uh, months earlier, they had had, it, they had had the lead in the championship football game in the Super Bowl, and in the fourth quarter, they lost it to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And so now they've been thinking about it all summer. They are ready to get revenge, and so they're, they're ready to go at it. And Vince Lombardi, instead of just going right his strategy, how we're going to win next season, what improvements are going to do, he did something interesting. And uh, the biography bottom, the, the, the person writes this. He took nothing for granted. Vince Lombardi was the coach. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, holding a pigskin in his right hand, this is a football he started at that level. Here he is coaching uh, three dozen professional athletes who are performing at a high level. And uh, he just began to get methodical about it. He began to teach them how to block and tackle. They started on page one of the playbook. And as we were going through, uh, Max McGee, I guess he was a bit of a smart aleck, he said, uh, Coach, could you slow down a little? You're going too fast for us. And he cracked a smile, but he kept going on. Um, other, um, what's his name? The, uh, John Wooden, one of the great basketball coaches, picked up on this methodology. He would actually teach the players how to put on their shoes and tie their laces. Six months later after this, the Green Bay Packers beat the New York Giants 37-0 to win the NFL championship. The 1961 season was the beginning of Vince Lombardi's legacy. Uh, they won five NFL championships in a span of seven years, including three in a row. They would never lose a playoff game again. This is, uh, so this talk today is, this is our football. This is, this is our talk. We're going back to the basics. I want, some of you uh, may have heard some of these things before, but you've never heard them quite this way. And so I want to take us through the basics. And so we're going to look at the what, we're going to look at the why, we're going to look at the who, we're going to look at the how, we're going to look at the where, and we're going to look at how far. Like, how far are we going to take this thing? You guys ready? Yeah. All right. So uh, just so you know, there's an anointing on our church to redefine normal Christianity. Yeah. The most normal Christian who ever lived with Jesus. A lot of people, when they uh, start acting normal, people think they've got a temperature. But Jesus actually set, this uh, set the stage uh, pretty high. I feel like God has handed us an assignment, and it's almost like he handed us an envelope. He said, here's your assignment to redefine normal Christianity in this region. So here's our uh, assignment in one sentence, to host his presence, to transform cities and influence nations. Notice I didn't say grow a bunch of churches, plant a bunch of things. I don't care how that's going to happen, but we are called to see a city transformed and influence nations, not just to build a great church. Actually, as Jesus said, he'd build the church, right? So first of all, let's start with the what. Here's the what we are doing. We are to make disciples of nations, not just in nations. There's a mandate in Psalm chapter 2 where uh, the Messiah has asked this, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. God actually has a heart to see nations transformed. The Lord gave this commission, and I'm not sure if you realize, it's absolutely impossible. This isn't like something like we can get together and strategize. We're going to need divine revelation how this thing happens. In Matthew 28, he said this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Notice he didn't say just make disciples in nations. He actually wants to see entire nations saved. 
when God asked through the prophet Isaiah, can a nation be saved in a day? He wasn't just wondering out loud. He was actually looking for fruit. He's looking for a group of people who would say yes. Somehow the missions on, uh, on the American churches got dwarfed. Instead of uh, making disciples of nations, we've tried to get some people saved in nations and plant a bunch of churches. But I think God is he's wanting us to shift that paradigm and actually think a little bit bigger, a lot bit bigger. Every nation is already being discipled. There's, there's mind molders in society. There's people who are already discipling our nation. Uh, religion, family, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, business, uh, science and medicine. Here's what happens. If the church... Uh, leaves a vacuum and does not step into these places of influence and bring the kingdom in those things, there's a vacuum there, and these ungodly influences begin to disciple a nation. And some of you may be like, Jim, I think you're exaggerating. Well, um, let's just look at how this country is being discipled right now. That's not a baby. That's just a fetus. It's not human. There's people discipling our country into this thinking. Are you sure you're supposed to marry the opposite sex? Maybe you're supposed to marry the same sex. Are you a boy or are you a girl? You may have a penis, and all of your genetics say that you have the DNA of a male, but maybe you're really a girl. You weren't created in the image of God. You were just a really evolved, smart ape. Some molecules actually got together and exploded. There was this random big bang, and that's where we came from. Of course, nobody explains where the molecules came from. Chris Volatin, uh, he, he jokes and says, you know, they make everything better by just saying, oh, if you wait a billion years. He's like, that's like saying, you know, two, uh, two Volkswagens, you know, rammed together for, uh, for a billion years and a Corvette suddenly drove out. Like, you're like, adding a billion years doesn't do anything to the, to the craziness of it, right? In Jesus' parable, the wheat and tares, the enemy had access to sow its evil into the field. It says this, while men slept. Guys, if the church stays asleep and allows the, the mind molders of society to be only influenced by evil, the nation will be discipled. The why. Why are we doing this? Get this phrase in your heart. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Whew. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Uh, there was two young Moravians uh, a couple centuries ago, and in the island of the West Indies, there was an atheist British owner, and he had between 2,000 and 3,000 slaves there. They were working as mines and all type of things. And the British, the atheist British owner, he, he said this, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on the island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave, but he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all of that nonsense. So here we got 3,000 slaves in the jungles of Africa. They were brought to this island, kept in seclusion. And these Moravians, when they heard about this, they just they couldn't stand it. So they had, the, they had this plot. They were going to sell themselves into slavery and go work on that island so they could evangelize these two to 3,000 people. And the Moravian uh, community, they came to see the two lads off who were selling themselves in slavery, knowing that they were never to return again. And as, the, as the people were kind of grieving, these two young lads in their uh, low 20s, they linked arms and they shouted to the, um, shouted to the uh, crowd there, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They became, this became the call from Moravian missions. This, these two young men sparked a movement that changed, that changed nations. Now, these two men, they ministered for several years and they had some success, and they actually did make it out of there alive. And uh, their act inspired a wave of, uh, of missionaries. I love that phrase, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. Guys, it's not just enough for, uh, to get people to uh, pray a prayer so they can get into heaven when they die. He paid for you to be saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected. We want to see Jesus get everything he paid for. That's another one of our pillars. Third one is Who? Who? And uh, that is transform people, transform cities. 
I said it already, but God's not trying to get you into heaven when you die. He's trying to get you into heaven before you die. He's actually trying to get you to enter into a realm of his presence and power that you can begin to live on and bring to other people. A lot of people, uh, I call them vampire Christians. They want just enough of Jesus to get saved, just enough of the blood to get saved, but not enough to be transformed and actually become dangerous. 2 Corinthians 2.15, we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God, a perfume of life to those being saved. I love that picture that he gives us. He's saying, when you get transformed, he's giving you a picture of your identity, that you can actually walk by people. I'm not sure if you've ever been in the shopping mall, and I'm sure you have been, so I try to avoid it as much as I can, because I spend a lot of money there, but I don't need to. And so I'm not sure if you've ever been walking along, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, Cinnabon hits you. <laughs> or as I like to call it, sin on a bun, right? It's like, like you're not even thinking about, you know, cinnamon rolls the size of your face. You know, you're not even thinking about that. All of a sudden, it's like, it just arrests you. It's like, like, it, like it changes your desires. <laughs> like now, like I, that's all I'm, it becomes mission number one is I, got, I think I need a cinnamon, right? And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you become the aroma of Christ. People get around you and it's like, what is going on with this person? Like, where do they get that joy? Where do they get those resources? Why does their marriage just work? Why do their kids actually want to hang around them even though they're old enough to not have to? What is that? That's the aroma of Christ. It's arresting their senses. You know, I, uh, I don't watch a lot of movie previews because if I'm going to see the movie, a lot of times it has a lot of the spoilers in there. But the, the previews are the coming attractions. You know what it is. And so they're showing you uh, the chase scenes, the fight scenes, the explosions, right? And, you know, maybe a little peek of the monster to kind of, you know, <clears throat> not that I'm watching monster movies, aliens. And so um, what's he doing? It's giving you a taste of, oh, here's what the movie is going to look like. You and I are the coming attractions for the kingdom of God. The movie that God wants to play on this earth is his reign over people, his glory covering the earth as the, as the waters cover the sea. And he gives a preview by putting his glory on the inside of you. And the only hope of this world seeing glory is Christ in you getting expressed. A lot of people are waiting for some glory cloud to come and just zap a region like, oh, wow, what's that? Whoa, hey. It's not going to come that way. It's actually going to come through your life and my life. The only hope people will ever see of the glory and the goodness of God is through your life and my life. We are the coming attractions. Our lives are like pouring salt on their tongues so that they will desire living water. Instead of the eat your vegetables approach to Christianity, I think we've all seen that. Thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. God hates this, God hates that as they pick it around. What if we were to arouse their sweet tooth for the king and the kingdom? People are drawn to Jesus because of the presence of God and the availability of the kingdom in our lives that we now begin to share with them. We just heard story after story of this happening. Bobby Connor, a prophet, said this about our church. He said, you're putting swords and spears in the hands of champions. I like that. I don't know what it is with war analogies. Obviously, I'm not built for soldiering. But it just does something to my heart. You're putting swords and spears in the hands of champions. As long as you do that, you'll have everything you need. Uh, if you walk down that hallway, you'll see there's five key areas that we're trying to equip people in uh, that, that transform people. These are, if, you, if you hang around Zion, these five things are just going to jump on you, all right? So with your cooperation. <clears throat> First one is best friends with Jesus. You know, we're building an encounter-driven church. I mean, I, I can't believe people would actually criticize that. I, but we do. People they criticize us. One of the things we get criticized is worship's too long. And so my response is always, uh, people in love aren't in a hurry. You can repent now for those of you. Yeah, sorry. 
And so listen, guys, uh, people say, you know, like, are you talking about people having a subjective experience? I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We don't want God to just be some story in a galaxy far, far away. We want you to actually encounter him up close, in person, so that you can have an encounter, so that you can become an encounter for other people. It's not just about encounter, 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 ooh, goosebumps, goosebumps. Listen, I had one pastor said, I don't care how high you jump, I want to see how straight you walk when you're done. So it's not just about goosebumps, goosebumps, but I'm, I'm becoming changed in his presence. You guys see that? It's impossible to encounter God and not, and not have the opportunity for dramatic change. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. What was the rock that he was going to build it? Some people say, oh, it's this confession of Jesus. No, Peter had an encounter where his eyes were open, and he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Jesus is literally building his church on people having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Every believer who has ever shaped history had this one thing in common. They had a lifestyle of encounters. It wasn't like, oh, I just met Jesus as a little boy. It's a continual thing. And we, as, as a banner that we're going to continue to hold up is God wants to make himself more available to us than we could ever imagine. We have lost people in, uh, in, in both campuses. And by the way, Freedom Rain Christian Center, we are so glad you're here. So glad you're here. The tambourine is here, too. So, yeah, well, I hear it. Yeah, we, we hear it. Awesome. You know, I love it. It's because we have lost people who come into the sanctuary and they just, they begin to weep. And they're not weeping because they're being shamed. They're weeping because the kindness of God is leading to repentance. Some things, some things just begin to lift off of people. We had one lady, um, she uh, was thrown off of a horse and had um, uh, 14 fractures in her back. And uh, her son said, listen, if you'll come to this church, you'll get healed. She cried the whole way there. I think she had like a 45-minute drive. She cried the whole way to the campus. And when she pulled on the campus, snap, crackle, pop. Her back began to, her back was mended. She was completely healed, and uh, she got a Holy Spirit chiropractic right there. That's, that's the way to do it, right there. We've, uh, I think this was in the last 12 months. It was two different girls in two different services. Uh, they had been cutting themselves uh, for their previous lifestyle, and uh, now they're born again. And every time they would worship, they would lift up their hands, and their sleeve would come down, and they would see those scars from cutting themselves. They would just feel kind of triggered all over again, just feel shame all over again. Two different services and uh, two different girls, but the Holy Spirit came on them and gave them brand new skin. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a kind of atmosphere where anything is possible, and the Holy Spirit is welcome to misbehave himself. Some people are like, ah, it gets a little too wild, and they're like, like have you seen children? They're free. The only reason you're offended is because a religious spirit's offended by anyone who's more free than them. Whoever's forgiven much loves much. The only person who doesn't love much doesn't realize how much they've been forgiven. I don't care if you were born again when you're five years old. You've been forgiven a whole bunch since then. Naturally supernatural. You're going to come here. You're going to be best friend Jesus. Naturally supernatural. Like, Jim, what does that mean? I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about prophecy. I'm talking about hearing God. I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about reading the Bible supernaturally. We can, we can put a little weight on that. I'm talking about raising the dead. And here's the thing is, I love this phrase from John Wimber, everybody gets to play. We don't, there's, there's no superstars in the kingdom. There's no competition, only collaboration. There is only one superstar, and his name is Jesus. I, I love the way the testimonies were told. It's like he, he's the one who makes all the good stuff happen. If you're able to make it happen, it's not a testimony. It's just a moany. We don't want to hear it, all right? 
Uh, one prophet said, Zion is called to bring credibility back to the gifts of the Spirit. Another prophet said he saw two healing angels and that we were to be a healing well to the region. And it's exciting that um, man, we're seeing the, the, the first fruits of that, where people, you know, they drive from distances and, and God encounters them. And so, yay, God. Uh, we had three stage four cancer reports just in July. Guys, those are lives who were being destroyed and God, uh, and, and God is restored. And so I'm just excited that cancer is no longer becoming the Goliath that taunts the armies of the living God. If it has a name, his name's above it. We're not 100% yet, but I'm not willing to say there's not going to be a day. Jesus set the standard. He healed all. I'm just going to declare this over us, Isaiah 33:24. No one living in Zion will say, I am sick. You know what's better than divine healing? D- d- divine health. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's stop living from miracle to miracle. Let's start living in the blessing. I believe God's giving us some revelation on that. The right of every believer is what I call the Fab Five. You have the right to, before you die, here's, here's your right, man. Just take it up on it. To see the blind, healed, deaf, mute, lame, and dead raised. Those are the five miracles that took place on a regular basis in Jesus' ministry. And so I just say, um, don't die until you see those five. And then once you see those five, just keep passing it on. Just keep multiplying it, all right? Don't be like, you know, dead raised. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that. But here's the thing, miracles on a larger scale can actually change the appetite of a city. Jesus, he's walking out of a place, they've just kind of rejected his ministry, and he says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. I mean, Jesus, right in the middle of you, he just gives us a little key that miracles can change the appetite of wicked cities. So we're going after it. I'd like to have an alternative to the emergency room downtown. Can you imagine having a building and like the ambulance driver is like, listen, I know you're really bad, but and they pull into the place and people go there and we, and we don't, uh, we don't make them donate first. <laughs> we don't make them pray the prayer first. We just come in, we just bless. Why? We want to bless our city. Uh, I want to, uh, we're going to, we're going to have prophetic people that locate missing children. This is kind of wild. So we, uh, we actually have a training for that this March with Dan McCollum. Dan McCollum has 1,000 people all over the world raised up. He told me a story that's going to offend your mind. Are you ready to be offended? Yeah. One of the ladies that, uh, that's in this group, she was in Texas. She's praying. All of a sudden, she's translated physically. So she's in Texas. Now she's in North Carolina. And she's in this large shipping container with a whole bunch of girls who, are been, uh, who have been trafficked. And uh, she's looking at this. She's kind of freaking out. She's like, is this a vision experience? What's happening? All of a sudden, the traffickers reckon that they see her, and they start coming at her angrily. And she has the presence of mind. She pings her phone. She disappears. She's back in Texas. She's like, God, did that really happen? She looked at her phone. It pinged it. She calls the police, and they went and busted up the ring based on that thing. Is that amazing? It's offensive. As the Bible says, the gospel's offensive. There's good news that's offensive. You know what? If we're not offended every now and then, maybe it's not the real gospel. I'll tell you what, it's just good news. I've said this for years, and uh, I'd like to see a list of dead raisings next to the obituaries in the newspaper. Wouldn't you love to see that? Like one day, it's like they're dead, and the next day, oh, I'm sorry. Nope, nope, nope. Hey, right there. We've had 16 dead raisings in eight years. Yay, God. Best friends with Jesus, naturally supernatural. I have a kingdom family. 
I say this, there's churches that the president of the United States might, might attend. Um, I'm guessing he probably wouldn't attend this one. You know, you get hit in the face with a flag or something like that. And it's, it's probably, you know, you know, it's probably, probably going to do something to their ratings or something like that. Here's what I like to see. I like to be this, this to be the kind of church where the president of the United States comes out of. Imagine a culture in our families where parents imparted a blessing to their children. Where from the time they were uh, little, they painted a picture on the inside of who they were in Christ and the resources they had available to them of the prophetic destiny that God has for them, as they begin to steward the prophetic words over them and shape them into the person that God wants them to be. You know, Solomon was raised from day one knowing that one day he would be king. Can you imagine everything that he wore, everything that he ate, the way he was educated, had one purpose in mind, that he would one day be king. What if we begin to raise our children knowing that they were called to reign in life? Our ceiling truly would become their floor. You know what the number one factor for kids not falling away? Uh, 92% of kids raised in the church fall away from God at age 18. You know what the number one factor is in those 8%? Is they were part of a family that saw God, saw God answer prayer. Guys, we've got to, like, it's not just, oh, we're going, oh, this is the church that goes after miracles. Like, we don't just go after miracles, okay? Like, there's people that are dying. Like, this isn't just, like, a cute thing. I mean, there's, there, there's three people with stage four that now have their lives back. And our children need to see heaven invade the circumstances of life and not just hear stories from the Moravians. Let's celebrate the Moravians, but we need it here in Columbus. The children of Zion are already being trained to heal the sick, hear God, prophesy, worship the same way their parents are. They're having corporate throne room experiences, giving words to classmates, healing injured players at sporting events. What the heck are these kids going to be like when they're our age? I mean, they haven't learned all the fear, doubt, and unbelief that I'm still trying to get rid of. Maybe you are, too. And so I think we are in good hands. One of our guys uh, went down, and um, he uh, moved himself in the inner city, and he began a Bible study down there in the inner city of Columbus. And he trained up some, like, 10, 11, 12-year-old boys in healing. And, I mean, these weren't church kids. He just, you know, told them about Jesus, trained them in healing. These kids walked down the street, and they found a girl who was mentally retarded. She uh, went to a different school, rode a different bus. They prayed for Mental retardation lifted off of her, and a week later, she was going to their school riding their bus. <laughs> Ephesians 5, uh, Paul says this. He says, the way that a husband loves a wife and the way the wife honors a husband prophesies of the world the way Christ feels about the church. And so just ama imagine the kind of kingdom marriages that actually, when people look at that, they get a picture of how God feels about them. I believe that we will have citywide marriage conferences where those gathering demoniacs get made whole. I'm talking about the impossible cases. I'm talking about the ones that you don't even want to, you don't even want them in the room. Best friends of Jesus, naturally supernatural, kingdom family. Fourth one, debt-free and outrageously generous. Let's close in prayer. Graham Cook, a prophet, says that Zion is called to have significant resources and that we are to be a resource church. We are not to have ordinary experiences with God. We are to have extraordinary experiences with God. Uh, Mike Brown uh, said um, that we would be planting one church a year, whatever, I don't know when this starts, and then one a month, and there would be times we're planting one a week. He said the resources would be so significant that we would have to have a full-time comptroller who just helps us decide where to put the next resources. You know what that means? It means you's going to have to be blessed. Another prophet says, we won't, Zion won't just have hundreds of healing testimonies, we'll have hundreds of financial testimonies. Our ministry would be known for wealth, our buildings, schools, and land. 
I did a Facebook post a little while ago, and uh, if you ever want to get people angry at you, just post anything about finances that's positive. And so, um, especially with the name Jim Baker. Yeah, people love that stuff, you know. And so um, I just posted this question, what would you do if you had more money? Just open-ended. I got 166 responses, most of them nice. And, um, and it was things like, you know, hey, I would, I would, you know, I would, they were all mission type things, all things that they would do in the city, all things that they would do overseas, all things that influence. And it really was, they, they saw it as provision for their vision. And I began to think like, if these 166 things happened, it really would change the world. Listen, guys, God would be a cruel God to put desires in your heart and not have provision for that vision. And I believe God wants to help unlock some things. I'm actually, uh, I, I wrote a course that um, I'm going to guinea pig on Zion for, uh, for building wealth this fall. But um, God, wa- God wants you to have more than enough finances to fulfill every divine assignment he has for you. And enough left over to help others fulfill theirs. Notice I didn't say every Christian is going to be a zillionaire. But there will be provision for your vision and enough left over to be generous. Affluence is for influence. Income is for impact. Prosperity has a purpose. So I'm believing in the next five years that everyone here who will partner with us, I can't determine whether you're going to listen to anything. But I believe that if, if you listen, I believe that every person here at God wants a debt-free, including their home. That's just 2019. You can do it quicker. Go for it. <laughs> I don't have faith for everyone in the room to get out of it next year, but I have faith for you. There you go. Here's my, uh, guys, what if the greatest revival this planet's ever seen is just waiting for the goodness of God to come on his people? Amen. Listen to Jeremiah 33, 9. This is my declaration over Columbus. This is my favorite verse right now. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth. You ready for this? Who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. Well, Jim, you need to preach on the fear of the Lord. Well, the way the fear of the Lord comes is because of God's goodness coming upon his people and in infecting a city. The fifth thing that we're going to transform people, transform people do. We gotta, can you believe I have an outline? I haven't done an outline since year one. This is amazing. It's like I'm back in school. Um, uh, discover, develop, and deploy your destiny. Um, our vision is People. Our vision is to make you amazing. So I just want to let you know this. I give you permission to follow God fully and to do what he says. I know you didn't really need permission, but um, a lot of, there, there's some church environments that are like, I'm the man of God, you serve my vision. Well, I mean, you know, um, we're not doing that here. That produces servants. It doesn't produce sons and daughters. And so I'm not, when I'm raising my children, I'm not trying to get them to be just like me. Although they, they have some of those qualities. I don't know if you saw one of the girls says, I'm nervous. And Wesley and I said in unison, you're doing great. We're sitting next to it. I was like, my boy. I mean, so we just, you know, we, we got that. They got similar passions. And we, you know, we communicate through movie quotes mostly around our house and stuff like that. And so, but sons and daughters, they, my, my, as a parent, my greatest joy is to see them come into their own. You know, when they begin to get passionate about something, and it's like, that's different for me. Like, I've been playing the drums. Guys, like, you've seen me try to clap. Like, I hardly even do it anymore. It's like, it's like this dry heave thing. It's like weird. It's like, I don't know what's happening. When I just begin to, when I begin to see something unlocked in them, guys, that is the heart of this church is we're raising up sons and daughters who become fathers and mothers who raise up sons and daughters that they become fathers and me. Our vision is for you to be amazing. It's for you to be awesome. 
I love the, the different um, ministries that were up here. Like, these weren't church programs that we thought, hey, this could be a way to grow the church. You know, I'm talking safe families. Someone had a passion for that and was like, hey, can we do that? I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> when people come to us and they're like, hey, can we, uh, can we do this ministry at Zion? Yes, you can. Like, what's, what's on your heart? What's your passion? What's that? Do that, and we'll figure out how we can come alongside and support you the best we can. I mean, I've never seen a church that does so many missions trips. Like, I've never been a part of one. I'm like, people, they're just going without permission. They're just like, hey, I'm going over here. Like, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. Like, they're just going for it. Why? They're catching the Father's heart that it's more than just about middle-class America. I mean, the Freeman Project, I mean, the, the, the Normandy Project, the Fresh Start, the Pick Love, the, uh, the Share Mission, Scott McCallum. I mean, he's, uh, he's co-founded it to uh, help churches serve uh, our city through outreach. Like, just, guys, whatever's in your heart, do that. Well, Jim, what's the discipleship program of the church? <clears throat> your kitchen table. Well, Jim, what's your uh, program to serve the poor? What are you doing to serve the poor? That's our program. Are you guys getting the picture? I remember I was a, van, I was a, a discipleship and a vigilant, evangelism pastor at a church, and I had 13 other departments. I'm like, so I'm responsible for both sides of the Great Commission, like evangelism and discipleship? And so, um, and so I remember I'm doing this training. I'm trying to get people to have a heart to, like, you know, like, tell people about Jesus. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I'm, like, leading them along, and I'm like, okay, let's say that they do come to church and they get saved. What do we do with them? And I'm waiting for them to say, like, you know, we pick up, you know, we pick them up, we, you know. And he says, this guy raises his hand, he says, we turn them over to the machinery of the church. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, are you? I said, <clears throat> you are the machinery of the church. The church is people. Alex and Anitra in Pataskala with Overflow International, OMG. Those guys are doing more than like five campuses. I mean, they're just, they're ridiculous. What is it? It's, it's someone who caught a vision. And um, here's another one. We have people starting businesses. Your kingdom business is your ministry. A kingdom business is not just one that gives us profits to the, to the kingdom. I mean, uh, that'll include that. But it's actually the way that they're doing business is kingdom. So it doesn't have to be some ministry thing. And just what's in your heart, do that in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, if you think of a hammer and a chisel, you know, you can use church, to, you can use people to carve out great church, and maybe you've been a part of church where you felt used. But at Zion, we're trying to reverse that, where we use church to carve out a great people. I believe that what God is going to give us a grace for discovering, developing, deploying destinies, that he will give us a grace and a language to translate it into non-church environments. And I see us actually getting into elementary schools and helping kids begin to identify the things in their heart. And they'll, they'll be able to say no to a lot of the pain because they've got purpose. The fourth thing, the how. How are we going to do this? Every believer is in full-time ministry. Are you ready for this? There's no such thing as secular employment for the believer. Once you're born again... Everything gets redeemed. He's making how many things new? Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Your marketplace is your mission and your work is your worship. I'm going to say it again in case you thought I was kidding. Your marketplace is your mission. And your work is your worship. Any gospel that doesn't work in the marketplace doesn't work. Every believer is in full-time ministry. Only a few have pulpits and sanctuaries. 
What if you were to adopt your workplace? You don't have to like make some formal thing. You're like, hey, guys, um, I'm pastor in the, of this workplace. But what if you just decided before heaven and you said, God, I'm dedicating Nationwide Hospital. I'm dedicating Cardinal Health. I'm dedicating Starbucks. I'm wherever you're working at. God, this is, I, I'm dedicating this to you. And I'm now going to pastor these people. And you began to be the most encouraging person in the room. You began, when you heard a need, you would pray for it. When someone cusses, you don't say, oh, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. That's one of the commandments. Like, you're not the nagging residents and calling that Christianity. It's called religious spirit. Shut up. <laughs> An old saint once said, preach the good news at all times. Use words if necessary. Every assignment in business is just as valuable as the evangelist. The privilege to be a stay-at-home wife and mother is equal in importance to being a missionary. When you get to heaven, your eternal rewards will not come from how much money you made, how many souls were saved, or how many homeless people you fed. All rewards will be given with the faithfulness that you did with the assignment you were given. It all counts if you're doing it for him. This means that we celebrate overt and covert ministry. So we've heard a lot of the overt ministry here. You know, the healing the sick, the, you know, we, we love that. We, we've seen dozens, if not probably hundreds of people healed in public. One of my favorites is um, a young couple that hadn't even taken my healing training yet, uh, decided to go out and heal the sick. And um, they're in Target, and there was a, a little girl in a wheelchair, and uh, I can't remember if it was MS or cerebral palsy. I, I think it's MS. And her legs were twisted. She was extremely short for her age. Uh, they pray for her legs, and as they pray for her, one leg grew out, and then the other leg grew out, and the other leg grew out. She gets seven to eight inches taller, gets out of the wheelchair with no more MS. That's overt ministry. We had one girl that went to, the, uh, she went to Walmart and got three people out of wheelchairs in Walmart in one night. Two of them got up, left the wheelchairs in Walmart, walked to the car. The third one pushed it to the car. So overt ministry, it's very common to us. We love it. But this is only half of the ministry equation. The other half is covert. Uh, covert means hiding place. It refers to ministry that's more subtle in nature. Um, it's not hidden because we're afraid. It's hidden because of wisdom. Okay? I'm going to say something that's not in the notes. You guys ready for this? Your workplace is not the platform for your healing ministry unless your boss allows you to have healing ministry there. If you're using the workplace as your he a platform for healing ministry, you're actually stealing from your employer because he's paying you to work. He's not paying you to heal the sick. Sometimes it has to be a little more covert. You see what I'm saying? We've had people get fired and they thought it was persecution, but it was actually they were stealing from the company. How are we doing? So Proverbs calls this wisdom. It gets expressed in integrity. It gets expressed in creativity. It gets expressed in excellence. And um, it, what, what it does is it, the covert is we're establishing ways of thinking. It's the way that we treat employees. It's the way that uh, things get done. And the goal is transformation of society by invading systems. I want you to get this. Invading systems in order to serve. Jesus said things like this. He says, when we get power, we don't lord it over other people like the Gentiles. He's given us the authority to serve. Guys, Christians are at best when we serve. Listen, when we are in front of God, we're his intimate. We're his son and daughter. When we're before people, we're the servant. But when we're before the powers of hell, we have authority. We don't take any of their crap. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said crap. We don't take any of their stuff. We don't take any of their crap, all right? From the Greek, krapos, right? So, <laughs> Can I just say something that sounds blasphemous, but it actually isn't? 
Serving people simply to get them saved is a religious agenda, not a kingdom agenda. Nobody likes to be your kingdom ministry target practice. Okay, why don't you just serve because you love them? That's called kingdom. What if, for example, when you volunteer at a local school, you're there to actually help the principal succeed, not to try to get more people into your church? You're serving for the benefit of another person, that's kingdom. And that's the kind of servant that the world welcomes. My pastor told me this. He said, Jimmy, oh, I said, Jimmy. He said, um, if someone reaches for you for a position, step back. If they reach towards you to serve, bring them in. It works both ways with the world. The balanced Christian life has the ability to move overt and covert. And the wisdom to know the difference in the timing. Let me just remind you this. The reason that you shine is you were born to invade darkness. Some of you are going to feel that going into those dark places is compromise. It's like, wow, I'm with these people, and it feels, I'm just telling you this. So my wife, she had a a dream uh, for this season, and here's what it is. Um, I was at a window. I feel like this is a word. I was at a window where people would come to the other side of the window, and I would exchange their old assignment for the Lord's new assignment. Some people took the new assignment with no qualms, while others looked at the new assignment and shook their head no. The ones who chose to pass up the new assignment felt as though they were changing sides. It was the enemy's camp they'd be siding with because they're going into dark places. They didn't want to change sides. But what they didn't understand is that God is not on a side. He's on his own side. He is changing out your assignments from last season and giving you a new assignment. We are entering what we have always called the enemy's camp, but Jesus already went to the enemy's camp and defeated the enemy. We are going to the camp where the prodigals are, where the homeless are, and maybe even where the heartless are. But isn't that who we're called to save and welcome home? If you pass up your new assignment, you will have no assignment. If God's like, here's what your assignment is, and you're like, no, guess what? You're out of assignment. It's time we change our lenses to stop making people the bad guy when it is truly the spirit and operation in our land bringing confusion and compromise. Guys, God is not against, God, God does not hate homosexuals. He does not hate people who have had abortions. He may hate, he may hate the sin. He loves the people. There's a spirit behind that. Guys, if you can hug them, they're not your enemy. Thank you. I received that's a little lonely up here sometimes. <laughs> Fifth paradigm, where? The where is as you go. The old model is come into church experience to experience God. I've got some news for you. The lost aren't running to our doors. They ain't coming. I've, told, I've said this for a story before, but I remember Mary and I were on vacation, and uh, we didn't go to church on a Sunday morning. And uh, we were eating at a restaurant, and I'm looking around. It's like 10 a.m., and there's people laughing with their families, having a good time. I turned to Mary and I said, you know what? These people aren't feeling guilty for missing church. They're having a blast on Sunday morning. Like, they're not ridden with guilt. It's not on the radar. You know what Sunday is for most people? It's football day. It's the day that they watch football. If they're in a pro, I don't know, Saturday for the Buckeyes. I get all that. So <clears throat> here's the new model. The old model was come to church to experience God. The new model is you're to come to the church to experience revelation, impartation, encouragement, training, and community so you can go and demonstrate God's kingdom in your sphere of influence. It's not come and see. It's go and show. I've said this before. I, I think we say it every uh, newcomers is there, but Zion is the opposite of the NFL. The NFL practices all week to play on Sunday. We practice on Sunday to play all week. And the Great Commission where Jesus tells the disciples, go into all the world, here's the, the verb tense says, as you are going. When, when, when are you supposed to do the Great Commission? 
Uh, I, I, I used to belong to church uh, growing up and I had this on the doors. It says, you're, as you're leaving the door, it says, you are now entering the Great Commission. There's a, a girl in our church, this is just a couple months ago. She, uh, she normally takes one way to church and she found herself taking a longer way. She said, she even said out loud, she said, why am I taking this way? It takes so much longer. And as she's driving, she sees a girl on a bridge. She's getting ready to jump off and kill herself. She's driving, so... I, I'm not going to say the girl's name. So she, uh, she, so she pulls over, gets the girl to come, in the, uh, come into church, and so she, she takes her to Zion, and she takes her up into the river area. And so the, this girl, she, she doesn't go to church, she doesn't know anything. She's there, and she's just weeping because the goodness of God is coming upon her. And so um, she, uh, I think someone came up and gave the girl a prophetic word in the river. And then she got a mini sozo from Cheryl afterwards, which covers a multitude of sins I found out in my life. Um, the girl uh, gets saved. She gets help. Um, she actually went to a treatment center for seven days. She gets baptized, and uh, her and her mom reconcile, and she goes to the mom's church. She sings in her church choir and tends with her family. And uh, this lady from our church just had dinner with her a few weeks ago. She's saved, set free, and she's going back to school. She's got a purpose now. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> now, notice this. The lady who was uh, driving to church, she wasn't out on a mission, but she was out on a mission. You don't have to have a passport to go on a missions trip. Just leave the church. And you know what? And sometimes the person sitting next to you is the mission field. Well, this church just isn't friendly. Nobody talked to me. Did you talk to anybody? No. Hashtag duh. How immature is the church that if we don't have a small group program that fits your exact need, then you don't know how to make friends? There's commands in Scripture that's like, let other people in your life get involved in other people's life. Invite 50 different people over. You'll have a friend out of there somewhere, okay? We have, we have small group programs. We have, we, I mean, we have, um, we have revival communities. We don't have a small group program because no one wants a small group. Just, it's small. We have revival communities. We love all that. Okay. And I'm going to skip this next section. All right. How far? How far are we going to go? I love this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you guys realize that's in the Bible? It's not just from Bill Johnson. We love Bill Johnson. We love him to death. But um, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of Christians that are praying the Star Trek prayer. Beam me up, Scotty. Like they're just waiting for the rapture so God can come and torch this place. But God's not coming to torch this place. He's coming to make all things new. Heaven is our model for life and ministry. Here's the idea, guys. We're supposed to make up there come down here. There's no sickness, disease, poverty, lonely children, unwanted children up in heaven. And so we're to take that reality of his goodness, of his kindness, of his uh, unconditional love, of, of, of healing, you know, all, all those things. We're to take the reality of his world and let it overwhelm the problems of this world. So how far are we going to go? So some people are like, well, Jim, that'll never happen until Jesus comes back. Well, guess what? If we have uh, gone for too much and God gets us and he's like, we get to heaven, he's like, "Uh, Jim, uh, Zion, you guys have exaggerated my goodness. And so, you know, like, if we get to heaven and we get reprimanded by the Lord for believing uh, his promises too much, I'll take that. I have to wear some special hat that was like, you know, 
It's like, like a dunce cap. Like, I'll take that for eternity if we've gone for too much. But what about the shame where it says, uh, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns on earth, will he find any faith? That, that was the danger. Is that, am I going to find anyone that's taking me seriously? The danger was not, whoa, 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 hey, people. He believed the blood was too powerful. 30 years from now, the inheritance we want to leave behind to our children and grandchildren. Ah, grandchildren. We've got some fat little babies at Zion that are just about all I can take. I'm just going to say that, so it's too much. The inheritance we want to leave behind to our children and grandchildren is that we have hosted his presence, and we've transformed cities, and we've influenced nations. Revelation 11:15 gives this picture. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud cries in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. What's that? That's a picture of heaven on earth, the kingdom being established. First John 3, 8, the Son of Man appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Zion is a terrorist training camp to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> Guys, we're on offense. Some people are like, well, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. If like this gate smashing us, but somehow we're just going to be able to stand up under it. No, a gate's a defensive thing. And saying there's no gate that we're not going to be able to kick down and invade every aspect of this planet with his goodness and his kindness. I remember when I was, uh, I think it was second grade, I started playing basketball in the uh, YMCA. And I, I did not understand the difference between offense and defense. And so they, uh, they would uh, typically match us up by height, you know, like you're going to guard you for the opposite teams. And I, I feel bad for the, the kid that I guarded. I am all over this guy, like a, a flock of gnats. I don't even know what that even means. So I'm just, I just all over him, like nonstop. I remember the kid's like, hey, hey, like it's a timeout. Like the ball's not even play. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just all over this kid. We're on offense. I mean, the kid's just frustrated. He's like, listen, you guys have the ball. I'm just all over this kid nonstop. I think so much of the church, we're on defense. The devil's out to get me. Oh, North Korea. Oh, LGBTQ plus or whatever. Oh, all this stuff is bad. The Democrats. Oh, Bernie Sanders. Oh, my God. It's, it's just like, guys, we've got the ball. We've got the ball. Like, stop waiting for revival and beliefs and promises and start one. Part of our calling, I've seen this for a while, is the mayor gives a speech every year you know, listing the, the, the top problems he wants to solve. And I, I see the churches of Columbus coming together and us solving his top five problems. Um, some of uh, the ones for 2019, he talked about his top three priorities were neighborhoods, neighborhoods, neighborhoods. He wants to revitalize. He wanted to start with Linden. He wanted to, uh, the opioid crisis, illiteracy, affordable housing, those type of things. And, um, you know, I actually want to see the end of poverty in our region. I, I don't know, I get pushback on this when I say things like, well, Jim, Jesus said the poor you would always have among you. Well, maybe they live somewhere else. <laughs> There's been periods in biblical history where poverty was completely eliminated. We've had prophetic words about breaking poverty off of nations. We've got to start with the city. Like our church has, has prophetic words about that kind of stuff. We have a heart for the POWs, the poor, the orphan, the widows, the single parents, and the sex trafficking victims. I'm so thankful for safe families. So thankful for Fresh Start. Fresh Start never got to define what they were. It's actually it's a building that we partnered with them to buy in Thornville. You're like, where's Thornville? Nobody knows. It's just way out there. <laughs> and uh, it was a nursing home, like 42 beds, and um, 
and uh, they're turning it into an alternative to the foster care system that feels more like an extended family. And so uh, Derek and Shatish are actually the number one foster care parents in Ohio. And, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing. And uh, they've just got an amazing track record of taking in kids who had some real tough situations, encountering Jesus and turning them around. And their dream was to take that and to create a different environment with that. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see abortion ended in Ohio. And so for, I, I've had dreams about it. I've, I feel like it's part of our assignment. This doesn't make any sense. Part of it, I believe, is going to uh, have people raised up that have the power to lay hands on people, see them dramatically receive the Holy Spirit the way they did in Acts 8, where magicians wanted to buy the power because marked people don't get abortions. There's just something about, like, those two things make no sense from a strategic standpoint, but in the spirit, I just feel like God wants to do that. But also, guys, we're going to need more people to adopt. We're going to need more people to foster. We can't just say, no, 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 and then we've got to have an alternative. Um, I believe that um, God wants to t- see the prosperity of business married to the needs of a city. And uh, this fall, we're actually going to be doing, I don't know if you guys, uh, was it actually here when I accidentally prophesied it. I'm, I'm, I'm so good at prophesying on accident and on purpose, it's always like, uh, I see a piece of cheese. Like, who cut the cheese? Like, it's like, it's like, like, what, like, what? Like, those prophecies make no sense. But like, on accident, I'm like, amazing. Like, and so I think, it was, I think it was the last time I was here, I was like, and this fall, you know, it's, it felt so powerful. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, in this fall, we're going to have an incubator for starting kingdom businesses that go from zero to launch. And um, you're going to do it this fall. And Robert Needham's going to help me. And Mary's like, did you ask Robert? I'm like, no, I didn't ask him. And, um, and so, um, Robert Needham, I am so glad you are here. And I'm asking you. No, I've already asked him. I've already asked him. But it's funny because he's a rocket scientist. And I said, zero to launch. I mean, come on, that's pretty good. That's better than I could have come up with. But here's the thing about starting uh, kingdom businesses. Uh, I, I believe God wants to prosper, but I, I believe that the environment that we create in our business actually disciples people before they become disciples. You see what I'm saying? That the way that we treat people, it's the way that we do business is actually kingdom. Uh, we're going to be starting our, our, our first kingdom business as a church, the daycare, in January 2020. So you're like, why are we doing that? Well, it's a great way to serve people, to have them come into our environment. We're not going to disguise who we are. Okay? And so what an amazing way to minister to people who maybe minister to families. But also it will be a stream of income that we can take and go point at some more needs in our city and in nations. I, wanna, uh, I believe we'll own apartment complexes for single moms, battered women, uh, trafficking victims. I see us maybe doing a half and half. Half the people pay, half don't. The whole thing's a wash. It pays for itself. Um, we, uh, we have yet to see this. I think we've seen just about every disease that, that I can think of uh, healed other than Down syndrome. We have not seen that. And so we are contending for that. We've had dreams and visions of the, of the kids getting so healed, the physical features actually change. Um, uh, cancer. Uh, we have yet to see an, a whole hospital emptied out. So we've seen rooms, and I've heard of some other people doing it, but uh, I want to see hospitals emptied out. And um, obviously, human trafficking, you know, it just, just, I don't know about you, there's just something rises up and just says, not on my watch. Like, it is not okay. And so I'm so excited about uh, the Normandy Project. I'll talk about it here in a second. Um, Bobby Connor said that to our church, you will be fishing in muddy waters. And as I sought the Lord on this, I felt the Lord said, we're going to have great um, fruit with Muslims, atheists, college students, homosexuals, and like the New Age occult and Satanists. Doesn't that just sound like fun? So, Jim, if they get saved, what do we do? Do we turn them over to the machinery of the church? <clears throat> yes. It's you. Stock your fridge. Sweep your carpets. They're coming. 
We had some of our people that went to a New Age festival. They did this uh, multiple times. And they set up a, a booth there for, like, spiritual readings, <clears throat> hashtag prophecy, right? Uh, psalm readings. <laughs> you know, they would they'd get a psalm and read it over them, tattoo interpretations, whatever. It's just cool stuff. And so um, the, the one year that I heard that they went, they actually be, uh, they were, uh, they said that they, were, they gave the most accurate. So there's psychics in this. Other psychics came to their booths. Uh, they were said that they were the most accurate booth there in giving the words. They saw 100% healings. Every person they prayed for got healed. The, the director of it, this is, I think it was the Columbus Festival of Light. I mean, it's like their, their big thing, you know, this huge New Age festival. And the director of it called his family members and said, you got to get here and had them come and receive prayer. And he said, hey, we're going to do this in another city. You guys were like the best booth. Will you come with us? It's amazing. I had a vision a while back where three events took place in a two-week period that completely turned our, upside, our city upside down. It completely changed people's perspective of Jesus in, in a two-week period. First one was that a mayor's, uh, a mayor's child was kidnapped, and some of our people prophetically located them. They were safe. A judge's son was healed of stage four cancer, and a Muslim imam's firstborn son was raised from the dead. And in the dream, it was one of those Acts 19 situations where it says, and the name of Jesus was held in high esteem. Well, I guess so. <laughs> There's an anointing on our church to redefine normal Christianity. Jesus was the most normal Christian who ever walked the face of the earth. And I feel like God has given us an envelope and an assignment to touch the city and redefine things on a massive scale. My wife had a dream uh, where people woke up in Columbus and they couldn't decide what church to go to because God was doing so many good things everywhere. One of our core values is that other churches matter. It's not just, guys, how many churches are there in Columbus? There's one church, the Church of Jesus Christ. We're just one voice in the choir. We want to sing our part well. The number 2,000 keeps getting prophesied for us in this next season. 2,000 people. James Maloney, Bobby Connor, Steve Witt, Randy Clark, they all said, uh, you guys are going to grow to 2,000. I think it's interesting. None of them talked to each other. They all got the same number. And so we need to pray into this. Uh, 2,000 people won't fit even between the two campuses. Um, Bobby was just here last month, and the last thing he said was, um, you're going to need to go to two services. I thought, no, no. <laughs> like, we do have two services. It's just one long one. It's just like the secret churches. It's like three of their services. <laughs> it's, just, it's like two services. And, um, and he said, uh, people are going to be lined up out the door waiting to get in. Guys, I'm not interested in having 2,000 people from other churches. Um, God is really speaking to us. I, I feel like this is actually a three-part message. I'm giving you one part. There's two other parts that go with it. I, just, I can't do it all. The other part is really about the church being, uh, becoming a family and not a business. And uh, just, we, we have to have a radical mind shift in that and what that means. And then it really is about the harvest. Yeah, it, really, it really is. And so, um, so that, that number 2,000, I'm all, I'm all in if it means a whole bunch of new believers. If it's a bunch of disgruntled members from the Alumni Association of other churches, it's going to be really tough to motivate. In closing, I just want to ask this question. Has this ever happened? Has there ever been a city that was completely transformed? You know, Solomon actually accomplished something remarkable in his city. The city was so blessed that they didn't even count the silver laying in the streets. It's like gum wrappers. Here's what 1 Kings 5.4 says, But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. There is neither adversity nor misfortune. I have no enemies, and there is no evil occurrence. 
A city where Satan had no influence. Can you imagine that? Inferior covenants do not produce superior blessings. Superior covenants produce superior blessings. Guys, it happened under the old covenant. And God has handed us an envelope. And I've got some super good news for you. You can begin to take territory today wherever you are at. You don't have to wait to discover your mountain, your gift mix. Am I part of the fivefold? Am I not? Am I supposed to do? Whatever your assignment is, wherever God has you right now, you can begin to bring the love and goodness of God. You can pray. You can adopt your workplace, adopt your neighborhood, whatever that looks like, and just begin to partner with God to just, boy, there's a girl on the side of the road. Looks like she's going to jump. I mean, just you don't have to wait to discover and have some life-changing moment. But the next season really will be about harvest. Bobby Connor told us that the prophets would get the revelation for where we are supposed to focus our attention and resources. And we have a, a team already that's like 30 people that are already kind of preparing for that, beginning to pray into those type of things. So I want to uh, conclude the service with this. I want to take up an offering for uh, Normandy. And so if we could have our, our ushers come forward. Our Normandy project started, uh, it started supernaturally with a, an open vision my wife had. She saw herself, um, she saw a row of windows overlooking the state house. And she saw herself worshiping there. And the worship was displacing principalities, changing things. And, um, and so you know how it is with visions. You're like, did I just make that up? Like, wow, what was that? So her and Cheryl go down there, her partner in crime. And they go down to Columbus. And they start looking around. And they, you know, they go inside the Normandy building. <clears throat> well, it wasn't called the Normandy building back then. They go inside this building. And here's this row of windows. And it's overlooking the house. It's the exact room from the vision. So we're like, wow, that's pretty amazing. About a week later, one of our lead intercessors comes up to Mary and says, Mary, I had this uh, vision, and I saw a row of windows overlooking the state house. It had red curtains in it. And uh, I saw you releasing worship. It was displacing principalities and a whole bunch of things. And we're like, okay, we've we got to find this building. we gotta, we got to get this building now. I mean, I hope just so as you know, it has red curtains in, in, the, in the room. And so uh, last, like, it was a long process. So they, like, took our offer, didn't take our offer, blah, 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 back and forth. And so it was a $1.4 million building right across from the State House, 64 East Broad Street. And uh, we got it for $900,000. We put $180,000 down payment on it. And we have an asset a business in there that's paying the mortgage payments on it. So we got a $1.4 million building for $180,000, no more money. And so we, uh, so we raised money. Yes, yay, God. And uh, the, we had enough money raised to get the down payment and to do... Are the ushers coming? Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, we had enough money uh, raised to get the down payment and to do the first phase, which um, it, it just took way, it takes way longer when you're working with city officials and things like that to get the permits, to get the architect renderings and all that stuff. And so we are through that phase. And so the next phase is 100 grand to, um, to begin the, the abatement process, to get rid of all the toxins and all the asbestos and all that stuff. Good news is we already have 40,000 out of the 100,000. And so uh, we need $60,000 for, uh, for the next phase. And so uh, we're not leaving this room until we get it. I'm, not, I'm just kidding when I do that. Uh, I've been in those services before. That is so fun. Like, oh, I love the spirit of manipulation. This is great. And so um, here's what I want to do, though, is so we've got uh, what? What is Normandy for? Oh, what are we using the building for? Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot to tell you the rest of it. And so... Um, and so, yeah, so there's this, uh, there's this uh, row of windows overlooking. So the, there'll be a worship room in there, but it has a couple more floors. It has two and a half more floors. And so we're going to use that for girls coming out of human trafficking. And so the missing, the missing link in the whole process is once girls get clean and sto sober, the funding runs out. And typically there's no more programs for them to go through, but they still have PTSD. They still have no resources. They don't have any employable skills. And so we're looking to fill that gap to help them get healed and whole in a family environment. And so is it like a six or a 12-month program? No, families don't kick you out 
until you're in, until you're ready to go. And so it'll be an environment that it's uh, where see disciples are handcrafted; they're not mass produced. So this will be an environment that feels a lot like family. Told that when they're whole and they're ready, then they can leave and make room. And so that's what this is this is about. So it's. Uh, and that, that part's called the Turning Point House, but it all takes place in the building. There's already uh, regular prayer meetings, weekly prayer meetings going on in the Normandy uh, building. And so if you're interested in that, we can find out about that. But uh, right now, we'll take your prayers, but we'll also take your cash. And so, um, so I'm going to ask you guys, to, if, guys, if God's touching your heart on this, or if he touches your heart in the next couple of weeks, you know, we haven't talked about it in a while. I know sometimes you, you're not ready to do something like this. That's totally fine. But um, if God lays this on your heart, I know there's people in here that could write a $60,000 check, and, um, and it, it would, uh, you'd be able to do that. And it would uh, help us get to the next phase. And so we're, we're thankful for everything. So, Lord, we love you. You're amazing. Thank you for generosity. I thank you that you're speaking to hearts right now. Amen. Yes. The check, write it to The Normandy Project. Or on the app, you can scroll to The Normandy Project. So, Or you can go on the website, which is what, Sean? TheNormandyProject.org. Isn't that neat how it all has the Normandy Project in it? Yeah. Well, clever that way. I'm going to have you guys, as soon as the offering uh, plates are done, I'm going to ask you guys to stand here, and we're gonna, I'm going to read something over to close. Thanks for being patient. I know it's been a little bit longer of a service. And, um, but look at it this way. You only got one out of three messages. And so uh, I didn't give you all three. I feel like I should have a joke or something here, but All right, thank you, Jesus. Boy, it's fun having everyone together. Old faces, new faces. It's good to have the jungle man home. John Musagal, that's his self-proclaimed nickname. I'm not being, I'm not making up a name. That's his name. Good to have Emily home. Our little sweetheart. Everybody say world fire. It does do something to you. You're right. I mean, that is such a Josh Lawrence name. (laughs) I just love it. He is highly combustible, for those of you who don't know him. He's, he's, a, he's a great man. All right, if we guys can have you stand. I'm going to have you close your eyes and use your imagination. This will take 60 seconds, and it will be mostly painless. You guys ready? All right, close your eyes. <clears throat> Imagine a place where people pulled on the property, and they experienced the presence of God in such a tangible way that sickness left their body. When people pray for the sick, they get healed. When people walk, where people walk in divine health and they don't want to get sick in the first place. Where Isaiah 33, 24 becomes true, no one living in Zion will say, I am sick. Where people are debt-free, including their house, and are outrageously generous. Where marriages flourish and spouses serve each other to help them become all that God has created them to be. No more children feeling unwanted or unloved. Orphans are quickly adopted, and all the children are raised in a culture of blessing where who they are in Christ is reinforced day after day where everybody loves God, loves each other, and dreams big with God, 
where a city is being shocked continually at the exploits done in the name of Jesus, and it's spreading like wildfire. Businesses begin to operate in a culture of honor. Coworkers work together as true teams. The wealth and prosperity of business is married to the needs of a city. There's now in the newspaper a section for dead raisings right next to the obituaries. Crime is all but gone. The local news spends most of the hour reporting good news and testimonies. Hospitals are emptied and turned into shelters and schools and churches. People would turn on Jerry Springer to watch TV shows with titles like, My Spouse Secretly Loves Me Twice As Much As I Thought He Did. <laughs> Impossible marriage situations are restored, where the gathering demoniacs of today become leaders in churches of the city, where atheists are turned into missionaries. It sounds like heaven invading earth. It sounds like the church that Jesus builds in which the gates of hells will not prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Government, academia, and business are important, but they can't transform a human heart. We are already in the midst of the greatest revival in human history. Yet there remains a distance between what should be and what will be. That distance is you. What will you become? You are the bridge between history and his story. You are the sons and daughters of the prophets. The sick, the demonized, the poor, the blind, the lame, and the lost are all waiting to see what you've learned. Don't disappoint them. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of the suffering.